Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to I Screen. You scream for movies for Sunday, July 9th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed, and we're doing it live in the midst of the morning. I'm Danny Eskamalaji, and ladies and gentlemen, another box office prediction episode has arrived, as you can see in the title. But unfortunately, I don't have Jeff Bach with me this time around. But instead, I decided and get this guy on my show. And actually, this is the guy I wanted to have on my show in a long, very long time. Just to talk about him real quick. He was the former podcaster of Cinema Spending last year. And now, he is now a senior editor and podcaster of The Direct. Everybody, give it up for David Thompson. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Danny. It's a pleasure to be here. We've been talking uh, for a while about getting me on this show, um, and I've been excited to do it. And I am very excited that Jeff couldn't be here today, so I can uh, fill in here. Um, love Jeff Bach. He's a great, great box office analyst. Uh, definitely go follow him over on Twitter. He does great work over on uh, ECR. He's now, a must follow. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. ERC, by the way, not ECR. I messed that up. Exhibitor Relations Co. Now, uh, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, yes, shout out the Direct Podcast. That is the podcast that I host. Thank you for that. And today, I think we have a unique opportunity to discuss a month in the box office that might begin to make things right, I would say, this summer. You know, June was a bit of a letdown besides Across the Spider-Verse. And July, I think, really could get us back in the swing of things. So thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, no problem, man. It is an honor. I love you so much as a celebrity, and I just can't wait to get into box office. So let's go ahead and start. Um, so yeah, tell us about yourself as we get started, just in case the listeners that I get every day don't know who you are, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, just recently, uh, I started working full-time over uh, at thedirect.com. I'm a senior editor over there. I've been doing the Direct podcast over there since uh, – it's been about a year over with Matt Rimke, um, pretty much on the Direct podcast. If you want to subscribe to that, we're on Apple, Spotify. We pretty much cover all the universes you love. That's our whole shtick. That's our angle, right? Marvel, Star Wars, DC, and it's expanding. You know, We, we don't want to just be – covering those movies we're going to be reviewing we we just reviewed indiana jones we're going to be reviewing mission impossible we talk about the box office that's really you mentioned cinema spending which was a small you know it's kind of a really looking back at it i'm proud of the episode of cinema spending that i had um it was short-lived but it was a great opportunity for me kind of doing a solo pod like kind of like you do here and really just focusing in on the box office now i cover a lot of things over on the direct.com related to entertainment news. However, the thing that I enjoy writing most about is the box office, is the business side of Hollywood. Um, so that's really what I'm most, most passionate about writing and talking um, talking about like I will be with you today. Yep, very fantastic what you've been doing. I love that you're doing the host of the direct. You're, you're not the co-host, you're like the host, right? Like the senior editor and all that? Well... Yeah, so I mean, my, my position at the direct at senior editor, uh, it it that's kind of separate if you want to think of it from the direct podcast, you know, okay. uh, because I have my role as the senior editor, actually writing articles for the website, and then I do also the podcast. So me and me and Matt Rimke, uh, we co-host that. You know, I, I wouldn't say there's anyone that there's no real lead host. Uh, we're both pretty much co-hosts on it and are there week in week out. That's very awesome, man. I, I'm start, I'm gonna start listening to your stuff for sure. I've been thinking about it for sure. I just had never had the chance. So now I'm actually gonna try and invest listening to your show. But other than that, you're ready to get down to the fun parts of this episode and what the people expect listening to this episode. Yeah, just absolutely. To, just to recap about last month, I had Jeff Bach on my show. I had we were discussing on Spider Man, uh, Transformers, The Flash, Elemental, No Hard Feelings, Indiana Jones. And strange month, we had some. There were some unfortunate mishaps, misfires, particularly the Flash. We're both so high in this movie. Unfortunately, it didn't came with what we expected. It's the DC brand that people weren't so comfortable to see. Well, not comfortable to see, but not relied. And Transformers, I guess it was doing okay. It still needs to, I think, reach four hundred. Maybe it'll just be okay. Uh, Elemental seems to pick up the pace very good. 
surprisingly, very impressive. And Indiana Jones, we're both witnessing right now, it's going to flop. And Eric Weber has even stated about this for months, not months, for weeks. But unfortunately, um, um, but Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse is like the true winner of this whole month of June, which fantastic movie. I saw it two times. Um, and anything you want to comment on about June last month, David? Yeah, I've got a couple of notes. I think Across the Spider-Verse is an amazing sequel. Look, Into the Spider-Verse was a phenomenal audience and critical success. Everyone loved 2018's Into the Spider-Verse, me included. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan and Taking this to a new animated realm with Miles Morales was an awesome decision and great storytelling over there. And across Spider-Verse in many ways, you know, some people think that was even better than Into the Spider-Verse when Into the Spider-Verse are also some people's favorite comic book movie ever, favorite Spider-Man movie, all these things. And some people thought Across the Spider-Verse was even better. So I think one thing that's really important, speaking of June specifically and just even in a broader sense, Word of mouth is so key. You, you just mentioned it. You saw Across the Spider-Verse twice. You know, No one really went and saw The Flash twice. Barely anyone saw it one time. And I think with The Flash, it's a very interesting discussion, I guess is my point here. Because there's the whole Ezra Miller element where maybe people wouldn't want to support the movie because Ezra Miller's allegations and arrests and all this terrible PR, essentially. And Ezra Miller, by the way, you know, they are the main two characters of the film far and away. So the marketing was a little bit twisted. I think there was some propaganda a little bit with the movie. The Tom Cruises of the world, Stephen King, even James Gunn himself saying, this is one of the best movies right now. You know, we need exactly. this in the theaters. And I think that was a bit of overkill where I believe if they had kind of just toned it down a little bit, maybe some people would have been more interested. And I think at the end of the day, Batman's awesome. Batman is my favorite DC character, and Batman's always going to be successful at the box office. This wasn't a Batman film, but Michael Keaton was marketed so heavily in the promotion for this. I'm not sure that ultimately helped in a way because people are almost maybe a little confused. Is this a Flash movie? Is this like supposed to be um, Spider-Man No Way Home for DC, right? Or what? what really is this movie going to be? And the bottom line was people weren't interested. And I'm surprised. I liked the movie okay, actually. I didn't think it was... The box office flop and complete disaster that it is is not representative of how good or bad the movie is. I think the movie's actually like a 7 out of 10. You know, I think it was pretty good. There's some really bad spots. But a lot of it is fun. But no one got behind it. No one rallied behind it. And that's something in terms of the box office that you need these days is this momentum, someone rallying, not just someone, many, many people rallying behind a movie and going out to a theater and actually seeing it multiple times, you know, positive word of mouth, second weekend drop, third weekend drop. How significant are those numbers? And for The Flash, it was bad. Look, Indiana Jones is doing poorly, I would say, for how much money was put into the film. Um, It's definitely not a success so far. Now, maybe... It's not looking great, but maybe it'll be able to hang out for a little bit of July. But even then, I'm not really um, confident in that. So June was a letdown. June, I would say, going into the month, I'm sure you and Jeff covered it at the beginning of last month. Going into the month, there was a lot of hope for June. This was kind of the kicking off proper summer at the box office. But now, in my opinion, it seems like July is where we might be able to get things right and really have some big hitters this month. I agree. I think July is going to like kick things back going for sure. Is there any other additional notes you want to talk about in June before we get to July now? No, I think that's about it. I mean, I would just say shout out across the Spider-Verse for really carrying the month in terms of performance at the box office. Because if it wasn't for across the Spider-Verse having that July release, almost everything else in June, or sorry, in June, excuse me. Everything else in June might be a failure, you know, might be looked at as like even elemental. It had a decent hold, but even then it didn't really perform well. I would say it performed okay and was able to kind of hang out a little bit. It had that, you know, soft weekend to drop. But beyond that, there weren't a lot of positive headlines. Look, I saw No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. It's a pretty funny movie. 
And it, it did okay, but it also wasn't this big hit. You know, the third think, week, the third weekend dropped pretty significantly big after the second weekend. So I heard it's surprisingly. It, look, I think opening weekend is very important at the box office, obviously. But what's become very fascinating since 2020, I would say, since the pandemic, is how these movies hold, how they perform over weeks and weeks and weeks. And that's really the case study for Top Gun Maverick. And that is the gold standard at this point, because it had such incredible legs and such amazing word of mouth. So many people went out to see that movie, and we have not since that movie. We have not seen one like it since. Now, Super Mario Bros., incredible success this year. Guardians Galaxy, a really big hit. But nothing's, and we may never see it, well, it might be a while until we see another Top Gun Maverick-esque run where it opens really well, but it keeps going and going and going. And that is just so, so rare nowadays like even if that happened in 2019 it wouldn't have been as such an anomaly as now because gosh do these movies just fall off so so quickly yeah it's the thing we are hoping for a speedy recovery for like what 2020 has been through and so far 2023 this year has been resurging a little well except last month was supposed to be the month where everything goes normal as planned but unfortunately it had some mishaps but july is definitely going to hopefully keep its track. And August, I'm sure, is going to also be a possibility that we get back on track as well. All right. So let's begin the July agenda today. So um, now just differently, I'm going to go by like the first week of July and then the end of July because I'm obviously saving the three movies that we're going to be obviously covering after each topic actually in the midst of this episode because obviously those are the biggest movies of the month that i can't personally recommend enough to remind people when they're what they're coming out with and this time is no gonna be a no flop show anyways but yeah as we begin so in the midst of recording we're doing um joyride and insidious the red door is been released and not to cover those too long because they already just came out, but um, surprisingly, the Insidious Red Door is going to take this weekend and be Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which completely had some small legs. Again, I, it's the fact... Um, actually, the fact is because the adult-oriented came out to see more Indiana Jones and the younger audiences, which is the big perspective why. So Insidious, on the other hand, encountered that to a lot of women who wants to see a horror movie and the people, the males that into horror, you know, the horror lifestyle from, from Brett's, the new flesh, new flesh podcast himself would say that, but the horror is taken back this weekend. And pretty much that horror movies is a good counterfeit and insidious, the red door on the other hand is going to counter very well this month since it's the only horror movie coming out that is fresh. And it's from the franchise of we got from years. So is there anything you want to comment on the on Insidious Red Door, David? Yeah, sure. I mean, it looks like it's going to be opening at about $30 million, um opening weekend, which is great. Look, that film cost, I think, around $15 million to produce, something around there, 15 to $20 million. Uh, that's a win. Look, these, these smaller horror films have been a secret, I would say, of post-pandemic box office success. It hasn't been in comedies. And we've seen a lot of flops, I would say, in terms of the big budget blockbusters. But these these horror films, there was the new Scream movie this year. Now we have Insidious, uh, Megan at the beginning of the year, where it's low budget. People like to go out to a theater to see a horror movie. There's something about that. People will sit at home to watch a middle class film, watch a comedy let's just say right some of these mid-budget things some of these you know these these oscar season films like uh the new scorsese movie coming out like killers of the something flower moon, moon. flower moon thank you uh with leo that looks like a great time um we have an we have a david fincher movie coming out this year on streaming there's all these now streaming uh movies with these big directors and, but what's still going out in theaters and performing decently at a low price horror flicks and this is just another example of it. I, I, me personally, um, I am not a horror person. Uh, I like, I liked the new Scream movie. Um, I enjoy some of the, uh, I like the Quiet Place films, but Insidious, that's not for me. 
I'm yeah, not here's gonna go thing. ahead and see that. I don't love Supernatural as much as anybody, but slashers are the thing. Slashers and like you know, Quiet Place movies. I, those are I enjoy, but Supernatural Ground, is like Insidious. Yeah. yeah, Grounded Horror. I just prefer them more. But yeah, Insidious is performing like 30s, which is incredible, and it's already gonna bake its even money very well in the next couple weeks or by this weekend. It looks like worldwide it's gonna make, break even very well. So congratulations to Sony, even though they put much marketing into this movie. But they were managed to like get the word out that people know it's the franchise name. That's why. So on the other hand, it's it is it very good this weekend. And it's like we don't have the results of the weekend yet, but it looks like Insidious is gonna dethrone Indiana Jones, which was supposed to be predicted. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. So Insidious is gonna take this weekend. Yeah. Now, another quick release, Joyride. I heard about this movie being presented at South by Southwest and CinemaCon. Critically well-received, but audiences aren't buying into this raunchy comedy for some reason. I just wonder why. If you have any explanation, David. I mean, look, kind of to the statement I just made, it kind of seems like a smaller release, number one. I'm not sure what the studio's expectation was for this at the box office. It's by Lionsgate, by the way. Lionsgate, thank you. Um, it's going to open to probably less... It looks like it's going to open to less than $10 million. Look... Throwing this thing out at the beginning of July when there's competition, um, I'm not sure what their expectations were, but it goes along with what I was saying. Look, No Hard Feelings had Jennifer Lawrence, and they paid her a handsome sum to be in that film as a giant movie star. Joyride, while it may be a good movie, that is something that you would see on streaming these days. You know, that is a kind of movie that even, I mean, there's a lot of shit on streaming. But even this, there's some good stuff too. You can see that on streaming, and I don't think there was much of an urgency. The marketing, I don't think the marketing costs were very high because I hadn't heard much of the film. So, me, Insidious outperforming Joyride by that significant of a margin makes a lot of sense, right? It's it's a name brand at this point. Joyride, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, right? Just just based on the the title, uh, the the names attached, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I think the audience, just the available possible audience there, I'm essentially say, saying the ceiling was much lower for that film as, as well as the floor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's the case from David. It's yeah, it's one of those movies. It looks like it's just yeah, it looks like it's low budgeted, but it's like I guess audiences aren't buying this because yeah, at the same time, Insidious came out. It's way more of a bigger IP than that. So perhaps that's why. I don't have nothing else to say. I thought Joyer would just do really good from the word of mouth people have been seeing. But it's just right. damning how comedy like this can just not get enough buzz, especially when there's competition. So in the in that case, Lionsgate should have probably put this in the safe spot or probably in the midst of June. Well, no hard feelings. What didn't came out in that June spot and Joyride would have probably took that spot probably if it, that all else fails. I think it would have done okay either way. Yeah. All right, so... In this case, the by the time the episode gets published, Insidious is getting number one, so it won't be a surprise. Slam doink. But all right, so let's go ahead and touch the end of July. And again, I'm saving those three movies till we get that topic done. But let's go ahead and talk about July 28th, Haunted Mansion. This is a movie I wanted to actually see before the footage was revealed, but then I decided. Not my vested to go see it, but it is a Disney movie and it's based on an attraction attraction amusement park or something based on that. So what You've do you never have? been? No, no, no. I mean, I, I can't remember when the last time I've been to Disneyland or something. Yeah. It's been a while, but Haunted I, Mansion is an iconic ride at Disney World. I love it. There is I think there is a you know, there is a connection for a lot of people of oh, I know what Haunted Mansion is, right? Just be just based on the ride at Disneyland, Disney World. I think there is you know, it, it's interesting. It's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? It was the, it was actually a ride first before it was the movie. Yeah, before down. it became a franchise, yes. Not just going to have the same success, but similar ideas, I suppose. So uh, what? I got nothing to comment on this movie at the moment. I just think it's one of those high-budget Disney movies that isn't promoted well, and I think it's going to flop somewhat, I'm sure. Do you have anything to comment on this movie, David, for this uh projections or something because yeah box office pro, pro is projecting 22 to 32 million dollars opening weekend i would say it's going to be in the 25 million dollar range and i'll give you a couple reasons why first reason 
crowded July, very much so. And you want to talk about what we're going to discuss in a minute. Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer. Those are films that each respective studio, Paramount, Universal, and Warner Brothers, not only want to succeed opening weekend, but have legs and live throughout of throughout July, the end of July, into August, right? They want to be co- they want to be owning the box office up until Blue Beetle comes out <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, you know, and even then that could flop. So in terms of Haunted Mansion. Right, I agree with you. Poorly marketed. I mean, there's some big names in the film: Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, uh, others. Uh, who is it? Um, Tiffany Haddish, Dane DeVito, Latex, Dane DeVito, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis, Jared Leto. I mean, good star cast. I mean, yeah, and was, Jamie Lee Curtis. That those are the cast I bought into those names. I was invested in this movie, and I still decide not to see it anyways. But great castings, obviously. Otherwise. Yeah, yeah, pretty big cast. I'm sure a decent budget. I don't see it doing well. My second reason beyond the competition is why are you releasing it in July? And not for the reasons of competition, but for why is this not opening in October? I feel like way more people would be willing and eager to go see this when it's October, when it's Halloween season. You know, that it's just it's simple. Now I understand October is a very busy, crowded month. October and November this year. we got a lot of big hitters coming down the line. However, an end of July for Haunted Mansion, I'm not sure what their expectations are for this film. It feels out of place. It feels like kind of the stepchild of Disney films for this year. Kind of like, okay, we've got this Haunted Mansion live action, uh, not remake, but live action film. Where do we go with it? You know, we don't really want to keep it in October, November, because those are crowded areas. Let's just plop it at the end of July. That's how it feels to me. And I don't think that's a recipe for success for this film, which Disney could use a success. You know, they haven't had a lot. I mean, Indiana Jones right now is failing. Little Mermaid was good at the box office, but not great, which great. Internationally, it's not doing great, obviously, for many reasons. But domestically, it's doing great, actually. And and yeah, to your point. The expectations for Disney live action remakes is spectacular, is phenomenal. It is the top echelon of the box office earnings. And Little Mermaid didn't live up to that, which is it is what it is for Disney. But Disney is a long way to get back to where they were, if they ever do, to that 2019 year where they had $7 billion movies, which is still unbelievable to think about. Um, And Haunted Mansion almost certainly will not get close <laughs> to reaching that billion dollars just to uh just to add this it was supposed to come out august 11th when the marvels was supposed to come out july 28th until when the marvels got moved they moved up haunted mansion to that date so just that's what i mean that. stepchild of disney films it's just like uh, okay we're gonna we're gonna move the marvels for an actual reason right to, to spread it out a little bit back up marvel specifically uh and spread things out because marvel's gonna have a gap now it would have been a gap from july until may which is now going to be deadpool 3 and now the gap will only be you know theatrically obviously there's the disney plus shows november to may which isn't as isn't as wide of a break for marvel studios and that's that that is a strategic move where haunted mansion now just gets put there and they just are hoping that enough people went on the ride and are interested in going to see it. I guess is the it is it a kids play like demographically is it it's like PG thirteen? I want to think it's PG thirteen exactly. Ah, that, that I don't know. I, I'm gonna go see the movie for sure because I like the ride and the cast looks interesting. It could be good. Who knows? But this movie, Haunted Mansion, is like a 40, 50, 60 percent on Rotten Tomatoes away from doing abysmally at the box office because I don't see there being much of a a reason to go watch it, honestly. Besides the cast and just general interest, but if you put it in right before Halloween, there might have been more of a reason. You would have been in, it would have been spooky season. You would have been in the spirit of it all. And right now at the end of July, I don't care about going to see Haunted Mansion, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was an October release, I'd probably give a shit watching it. But in this case, in the summer, not a good idea what Disney's putting out this for. So just predict the opening weekend. Uh, you said you're going might maybe twenty five million. I might go. Heck, I might go twenty. Why not? Competition. Yeah. 
and you know marketing reasons and s- s- the strategy of releasing this movie is like ideal so yeah who, who knows maybe it'll surprise us all and open at you know 35 40 i love to but- i love to be pro- we love to be proven wrong to see what what disney can do with this now that bob shapeg is out of the picture now i'm hoping this could like i don't know strives now bob eggers bob eager's back and uh, i'm not too confident on haunted match at the moment but we will see yeah we shall see is there anything else we should go into because i think we're ready to go on to the main course of this episode and let's go ahead and start because i think you're ready so let's do it mission impossible dead reckoning part one is upon us as the recording it's finally coming out early july 12 on a wednesday surprisingly for which obviously we're gonna get into for that reason it'll be um but oh my god it is Tom Cruise. It's, Tom Cruise is going to be here to save the whole cinemas again. And after we saw Top Gun Maverick last year, it was a historical, historical big run in cinema saving non-superhero tactic that we all want to see in a while. And Top, Tom Cruise just does it. And now he's got Mission Impossible coming out. And I predict this long time. It isn't going to be Top Gun's billion dollar. I think it's going to at least look. I have reasons why to believe this is going to be different, but as of this projections, um, it is on a three, it's on a five day release. So according to box office pros projecting, it is projecting for a three day of 65 to 75 and for a five day, 90 to $110 million. And I believe it's going to beat the record of fallout, which made 64, if I'm not mistaken, or 61. Actually, no, that was war of the worlds was 64 fallout was 61. But in this opening weekend, I don't think it's going to catch on Maverick. That's for sure. And again, I'll have experience why. And I hope you agree with this. So Mission Impossible and Top Gun are beyond different. And now when I say different, I mean Mission Impossible isn't for everybody. It's not like a true art cinema thing. It's an action cinema of the franchise Tom Cruise runs. But Top Gun, on the other hand has everything a blockbuster has to offer, not just action, but storytelling, characters, drama. It's all that glory in the big screen. It's just so amazing. Yeah. The word and responses was unreal, and that's why everybody went to see it and gives the young generations to go out to see this movie, which is the big, big question. It was before release. And now that they have, it helped to make it a billion dollars besides attracting young, older-oriented adults to Tom Cruise, Top Gun Generations, and attracted a new generation. It's very positive. Now, obviously, will p- young audiences give a shit on t- t- uh, Mission Impossible? I have a feeling, no. But I feel like those people that saw Top Gun are going to come out to see this, but not by the same margin as Maverick. I don't think it's going to be a billion dollar, but I think it's going to at least inch somewhat a record as a, as a franchise. I feel like it's just going to go through the roof. Otherwise. I love to be otherwise, I'll have to be proven wrong, but it's just one of probably be one of the best actions as we got to hear critic reviews, even though critics don't matter, huh? But it is at 99%. How fucking insane. And it's over John Wick. How crazy is that? I have high expectations in terms of the quality of the movie. Um, I'm going to see it tonight and I cannot wait to watch it. Oh, you're seeing it tonight. I am, yeah. Holy fuck. I don't even see it till Wednesday, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, this release is so unique. But anyway, I'm very excited to see it. I agree with you. It will not reach the heights of Top Gun Maverick. I don't think that should be the bar that anyone's setting. That should not be the expectation by any means. But what it will be doing is it will be the highest opening Mission Impossible movie ever. I think opening weekend. Now it's a three-day and a five-day which gets really kind of it always is a pain in the ass when you're going in, going back in history and looking at the box office and you see a three day opening that doesn't quite add up. And you're like, wait, how, what was that? And then you read more into it. It's like, oh, it's like a weird five day release. These always get a little bit screwy, especially with projections and just, you know, uh, covering it in general, because the three day opening Friday to Sunday is a little much or a lot more cleaner, easier to understand. But when it comes to Mission Impossible, absolutely. The reviews are through the roof. I think there is a lot of Top Gun Maverick rollover that is going to get this thing to new heights and going to be a really smash success, especially over this 
you know, five day summer opening. Now, how high will it get? I think you're right. There may not be the same demographics as, to- as a Top Gun Maverick, but some of them will be the same for sure. Uh, in a way, ironically, Mission Impossible, because it's now the seventh film, has a lot more, um, I guess, attached fans, audience members that have seen Mission Impossible movies, um, which sometimes can lead to fatigue. But I think in this case, because of Top Gun Maverick, in many ways, people are rejuvenated on the Mission Impossible franchise and want to see Tom Cruise in more of these roles because everyone loved Maverick. It was such a crowd pleaser. It was a joy to go see it in a movie theater. And that's Tom Cruise's whole idea, right? He wants it. He wants people to go out to a theater and really enjoy themselves. Feel as if I needed to see this on a big screen, which I commend him for because there's not that many movies nowadays that do it. So, you know, I can save my prediction uh, for a second, but I think it's going to do really well. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it performs throughout July, especially when the Barbenheimer uh, weekend happens. But opening weekend, it'll be the highest grossing Mission Impossible movie so far. And it'll be on a clear shot to the moon, I would say. It will not reach the heights of Maverick, but I do think there will be a lot of positive word of mouth where one of the best action movies I've ever seen, quote unquote, right? People are are already saying that, and that's going to get people out to a theater in July. Oh, yes, man. Like, it's already, like, what a, I feel like, now, this is rated PG-13. I'm like, John Wick, it's rated, excuse me, it's rated R. Yeah. So, I feel like this is going to even reach way above the record of John Wick. I think it's going to pass all that money John Wick made domestically and worldwide. And this is just already, like, Tom Cruise-oriented PG-13 action stunt flick. It's going to even might have, Oscars might consider putting best stunts and, John Wake and John, Mission Impossible are going to go at it for like categories. It's going to have the Oscar nom 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 if the stunt coronation of the Oscar category happens, which would be insane. Yeah. Um, just real quick. So the movie get, did move up two days earlier to July 12th. Now I can see why. It's because Oppenheimer next week gets all the IMAX for three weeks. And Tom Cruise is very pissed. We heard about that weeks ago or a month ago or something that he was annoyed about that. He tried to get the movie theaters around to even book some PLFs and shit, which look, PLFs are the usual thing. And the BO boys even talked about, we need more PLS. And I agree. I mean, there's got that. Sometimes you've got to like invest more PLS for like people that want to see on the big screen. Like there's like so many options that you want to see. I mean, sure. Standards not okay. But like, do you want to see on like into the amusing world of IMAX or Dolby or like yeah. screen X and all these crazy PLFs? I mean, they just, Tom Cruise really wants people to see it for that possible experience. I mean, Top Gun had like IMAX for two weeks until Jurassic World took over, which I wish Maverick would have had like at least three weeks of PLS or four. I mean, God. But it is what it is. So, I mean, hey, you know what he even did? He even supported Barbenheimer. I mean, the Barbenheimer products and with two tickets with Christopher Wire, which, you know, others follow in suit as well, which is like, I guess that's his way of like trying to like convince theaters to get more PLS. I don't know. And the question is, I was going to say, does Tom Cruise promoting The Flash could hurt the movie's performance? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's the big juicy story. I think what I think yeah. the B.O. boys talked about that weeks ago. But just That's a reminder, yeah. I don't think it wouldn't. I don't think it would have hurt the performance. Trust me. I don't think I think the younger audiences might, but the adults, I don't think they'll give a shit. That's hilarious. That's that's actually a really funny idea. I hadn't thought of it, but no, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. That's 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 funny, though. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, Is there any additional notes we should talk on Mission Impossible before we get to our prediction on it? Because I mean, I think everything. Yeah, I'll jump right into it. So I think with Mission Impossible, it's going to do really well. I think moving it up was a smart decision by Paramount. Tom Cruise. Uh, soaking up some of those PLFs. And I always love to see a movie in IMAX. I'm seeing it tonight, I think in Dolby. Um, it just w- This is a l- much larger topic, but movie theaters are becoming a little more irregular for audiences, right? It's more of a an event to go see a movie these days, meaning you people are in generally are seeing less movies a year. So when you go to see a movie and you're paying big bucks, right, to walk into a theater and pay for concessions and buy a ticket... Hell, you might as well be getting an awesome experience. So I agree. There should be a little more uh, premium offerings. And I think that even goes beyond the screens. 
theaters should become more premium, I think, in many ways to make it more of an event, right, to go see it. Now, in terms of Mission Impossible, right, uh, this weekend, it's going to have all those sweet IMAX screens and Dolby and 3D and 4DX and whatever else, whatever else you can come up with. Um, for me, I'm looking at, so if you're looking at the, just the weekend, Friday to Sunday, now the numbers are going to be weird. I'm thinking it's going to make around 70 million and total out for the five day opening. So when it's Sunday and the reporting's coming out, I think the headline's going to be a $95 million five day opening, which is a success in my mind. I think it will hit under the a hundred million personally. Um, that that's just my current prediction. And I think part of that's because the current state of the box office is just not on fire. And maybe this will light it up on fire. But because of all the memes and all of the uh, just positive marketing and interest around Barbenheimer, I'm almost thinking some people might wait a week <laughs> to head back <laughs> out to the theater. But that that's kind of nonetheless, I think it'll be a big success. And my prediction overall is a $95 million five-day opening. Nice prediction. Now, for me, I'm going to go with, for a three-day, I'm going to go for a clean 76. And then for a five-day, I would say it's going to make 103 for the five-day. Nice. Okay, so, I like that. So over 100. I'm feeling the guts. Yeah, I'm feeling my gut. But it's not going to beat the weekend of Maverick where it made 126 on a three-day and four-day of 160, which broke the Memorial Weekend of all time. So I know that's not going to reach the heights of that, but... I feel like the word of mouth also is going to surge as well from like these days before the so. weekend results. And that's going to help a lot. Yeah. Audience wise, critics don't matter, but critics can still be the part sometimes. But audiences, I think, would love this movie. And just to yeah. clarify, I don't know what cinema score it will get. I think it might get straight A, not an A plus, just in case. I mean, who knows? Top Gun Maverick had an A plus last year. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it'll probably get an A or an A plus. Uh, just based on the reviews, I haven't seen the movie, obviously, but I that's that seems like where it'll go. And ah, man, this is very exciting now heading into these next two movies because oh well, yeah, what a what a two week stretch, you know? Like there's going to be a lot of people heading out to the theater, and there's going to be some tough decisions. I think they're going to be had to be made, right? Wh which one do I go see? When do I see it? Which one yes. do I go see first? If I plan on seeing multiple, and all that factors into the box office, I would say. Now let's go. To, I think we're ready to get down to the big move to two big phenomenons this month. It's the week of Barbenheimer on July 21st. And which movie do you want to talk about first? As let's a guess, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I was guess, yeah, I was. I assume Oppenheimer in the back of your head before we got on the show. But yeah, Oppenheimer. <laughs> let's go ahead and get to this. So, Oppenheimer is a Christopher Nolan movie directed, written, and produced himself. You all know the name. Directed for Universal this movies. time, though. Yes. So. To remind people, he was the director of Dark Knight movies, Inception. Inception is my favorite movie. Uh, Interstellar, which people claimed is one of his best films. Uh, Dunkirk. And then, gosh, every time I think of him, Tenet was one of the worst movies he's done. And I fucking hate that movie so much. It was one of the <laughs> worst comeback movies of the pandemic. And it didn't do great domestically. So I wish they could have no. pushed this back all uh, 2021. But no, I, I don't know if it was his decision or Warner Brothers. But Tenet was a stupid movie overall. I did not love it. But I'm having expectations to hopefully see that Nolan will reach his heights of his improvements because he's an incredible filmmaker, you know? So oh, I don't ever doubt him for sure. I mean, yeah. I know he's got what he takes to make his audience very well and satisfied. I mean, Tenet may be the most forgettable film that we can all move on to, move on from. But I think Oppenheimer would be a great start as a post-pandemic-ish comeback. Yeah, no, so, totally. Like you said, it's by Universal. So Warner Brothers was the collaboration with Nolan a lot. Or I should say Nolan with Warner Brothers was the collaboration. And so Jason Kalar has done the date and date HBO Max release strategy in 2021. That pissed him off. So now he sent himself away from them and now works with Universal on their movie Oppenheimer. And I don't blame him because obviously the whole thing, I agree, it was the dumbest shit ever. Many movies of Warner Bros. flopped that year. Oh, yeah. If that was one. If that was Tenet, on the other hand, he'd be so damn writing a lawsuit, filing a lawsuit for that. So hard. And imagine if this was Universal, well, well, where they don't agree with the 100-day window release and they release it in digital like the next month or so. I bet he'd be damn upset. Because at this point, Universal needs to stop putting these movies 
digitally weeks after. I think they should give it like a little in the long run. But in this case with Nolan, I'm think I'm thinking they'll keep his promise and just allow this movie to be 100 days in theaters, which I think that's the window he wants this movie to be in. So, right. But yeah, Oppenheimer is a biography film, also of James Robert Oppenheimer as a biography about the atomic bomb, which has some cool spectacle. And the fact is, they also dropped this 30-second teaser or something of the countdown in last year's screening of Nope. That got the word about. That got the word, and it's very a good idea. So it was a great way to promote that movie. And now I'm sure like people that even saw the teaser and Nope and, you know, they promote this a lot well from last year. So it, even on the Universal Channel, they would still have this countdown going on. That same trailer, except the days and numbers and all that just goes down, you know? Yeah. So Universal is firing all cylinders for Nolan. And this is like a great way to market this movie about the atomic bomb and the countdown. I mean, it, this looks like a ride for sure. So, um. Anything you want to comment on Oppenheimer and like the projections? Because I would reach projections real quick. It is projecting 45 to 57 three-day million dollars. Yeah. Um, look, Christopher Nolan is back once again. It's interesting. He's with Universal for this go-about. Oppenheimer has an amazing cast. Killian Murphy getting his first proper leading role in a feature film, especially a Nolan film when he has really been in a lot of Christopher Nolan movies dating back to, I think the first one was Batman, Batman Begins. Begins, a scarecrow. Yeah, and scarecrow. then Inception, I believe. Yep, Inception, and I want to say a couple of others possibly. So, in terms of how this movie is going to do, it spoiler alert, it's not going to do as well as Barbie. Um, I think Barbie has a wider audience. This is a rated R Christopher Nolan movie. I agree. Three hours long. However, my prediction's a little bullish on it. I think it's going to do well for where it's at right now. There is a lot of anticipation for the film. Christopher Nolan's back. Uh, the story of Oppenheimer is very interesting. The, the creation of the atomic bomb and the moral conundrums that come out of that and just the process of doing it. It looks like a phenomenal film. Amazing, loaded cast. Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Jack Quaid's in it, Florence Pugh, um, Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> so... So many casts. There's, there's a lot Crazy. going for it. Um, I do think there's some going against it where most people that are going to go see this movie are Nolan disciples, and there are a lot of them, right? Um, there are a lot of people that see Christopher Nolan and are going to see that movie opening weekend in all sorts of types of IMAX and you know premium screens because I think the proper way of seeing this movie, people are saying, is 70 millimeter IMAX. Which it like that's how they filmed it, so that's the proper ratio, I suppose. And you have to look those up specifically. There's really not that many of them. I'm a little excited about this opening because when I've looked up tickets in my area for premium screens, IMAX and others like that, that opening weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they are almost all full. You know, they yeah, are like all same with my local. Connected. Same with my local. Actually, my theater doesn't have an IMAX, but I go. Have you heard of the, the brand theater called Imagine? No, I haven't. Okay, okay, so it's a franchise that's in Michigan and some other states, but not every state. So it yeah. has something called Super Emax. It's like IMAX, except it's not like an IMAX. It's just like in some locations, the Super Emax would be wide like this in my location, like this, but not like this as an IMAX. Gotcha. But I mean, so what I'm trying to say is that when I looked at the, the screenings on the Super Emax for Oppenheimer, yeah, it's selling crazy. Yeah, so I mean, I think this is the buying thing of where to see this in the PLF. That's the idea of what Oppenheimer wants us to see. I mean, Christopher Nolan wants us to see on the PLF, which is op optimal. I'm going to see that in PLF, obviously. Yeah, I think I'm planning. I think my tickets. So I will be seeing Barbie first, and then I'm going to see. I'm going to see Barbie on the Thursday when it opens. My current plans, and then I think the Saturday, um, I'm going to see Oppenheimer and Dolby and. Barbie, I'm just seeing standard because I don't think that's really. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get to that in a bit, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer gets to the IMAX for three weeks again. It pisses Tom Cruise off that he's not that's gonna tough. get all this. It's tough, I know. So, and I think with Oppenheimer, just jump into my prediction. You said I think on Box Office Pro right now, what? Forty-five to fifty-seven. I think it's gonna make sixty million opening weekend. I think it's gonna outperform that. I, I genuinely believe there's gonna be a lot of intrigue around this movie. Based on what I've seen for the pre-sales, all in premium screens, the eagerness to go see this in a premium screen, I think is key. It's not going to do as nearly as well as this movie I'm about to reference, but 
Avatar 2, Way of the Water. I think that movie does exponentially more than it would have because of all those premium screens and a desire to not only go out to a theater to watch the movie, but see it in the biggest, baddest screen you can find. And I think that's going to be similar here with Oppenheimer, just based on the marketing. That's how it's really being marketed. A lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery. The, the, the trailers don't give away anything about the movie. I think there you really have no idea how it's going to go. Obviously, there's real-life events involved, so you can kind of do some research and reading. But the marketing, to me, has been very tight-lipped. It's all kind of still mysterious and there's gonna be a lot of intrigue so my prediction is going to have a 60 million dollar opening weekend going a little bit above projections which i think is successful going up against the juggernaut and barbie as well as being r-rated three hours long um and christopher nolan's latest film tenet not being a big success commercially critically or audience wise i think commercially i'm not commercially but i think uh actually yeah commercial both of them actually because uh yeah, they didn't promote much of this movie when it's in COVID, and they shifted around through like three times in COVID. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? So, yeah, it is. Oh yeah, I want to talk about the demo real quick. So it is for sure attracting older men, and men, the yeah. same thing with Mission Impossible. So that's gonna be a, a tough battle for these demos. You know, I mean, I don't know how Mission Impossible will hold up pretty well. I mean, hey, if it gets the crazy buzz and word of mouth, it might hold well. But Oppenheimer could also with the PLFs, which is the disadvantage, like these movies have in common mission impossible loses to pls to oppenheimer i think imax is the most optimal optimal people would see it on i guess but yeah that's gonna be that part of why mission Impossible could end up not being crazy but like a single studio great it's just gonna have like a counter disadvantage for like again oppenheimer's not an action movie which kind of disappoints me but i'm seeing it regardless and t- Mission Impossible is action. So I think the counterfeiting yeah. will do okay. I mean, that's a great thing to note. And yeah, it is an R-rated movie. Um, I'm not excited to see the sex scene in the movie. Let me be honest. I don't like watching this stuff. I don't. I'm not a pornography guy, I swear. I hate to put this out in this episode on the throw feed. I just don't. But I'm about to suck it up and just like, what? <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just like, what the fuck did they do with this movie? I thought it would be rated PG-13. But no, it's not what I expected. Yeah. All right, well, I don't know how to go on this rambling too much, but yeah, uh, so, oh yeah, my prediction, you're going with, like, what, 60, you said? 60, yeah. I'm going, hell, maybe I'm going to go, I'm going to go 63. Oh, okay, a little above me. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, is there anything else we should talk on Oppenheimer before we move on to the big, big love course of this uh, month, which I think it's going to broad everything and, you know, defy the odds. Yeah, I, I I would say let's move on to Barbie, which I think has immense potential, especially when we talk about different different demographics. What's wise marketing where it's if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie's for you, which I think it's so interesting. They spelt it out for people like that in the trailer. But I also might think it might work out because I, I, I genuinely felt at, just as myself personally was like, when I saw that, I'm like, cool. You know, like I, I felt seen in a way, which I think is really interesting. Like as, as I'm a 25 year old man, <laughs> I'm not necessarily a big Barbie fan, but I am stoked to see this movie because of the cast, because of the director, Greta Gerwig. I really cannot wait to see this one. It's exciting because yeah, like it's promising. I mean, I didn't want to see it at first, but when the trailer came out, it gave me goosebumps for some reason because of the music. I was excited for that. And let me yeah. get let me, to be honest with you. Wow, it's Warner Brothers blowing all stops of this movie. And this is like one of their big films. They could even save themselves the trouble since you know they had a m- few misfires with the Flash, House Party, uh, was it Magic Mike, Shazam even bombed. So I mean, Warner Brothers was supposed to have the great stuff, great stuff starting off the Flash, but unfortunately, but Evil Dead Rise at least was a big hit. And saved himself from Streamo. That's obviously a great thing they made a decision on. Good on David Zaslav. And David Zaslav is firing all cylinders with Barbie. Unlike the Flash this time around for many reasons. But Barbie, I can <laughs> say it's going with all. Okay, look. So I've been tracking pre-sales since yesterday. And Mander through the roof from Friday to Saturday. Holy smokes. This is going to be like all, not all women, but men included. Because, you know, Barbie and Ken is the icon. 
Well, so. let's think about it, right? Okay, so we have a younger demographic of women probably want to see this movie. That's not a very popular demographic that goes out to the box office, by the way. And who are they going to bring? Their boyfriend who dragged them out to Mission Impossible. Their boyfriend <laughs> who's dragging them out to Oppenheimer. I mean, that's how it's working with me and my wife. You know, we're going to see Mission Impossible. We're going to see Barbie first, which was her choice. It's kind of because I couldn't find it. <laughs> we mentioned, by the way, the sold out Oppenheimer screenings. I couldn't find an early Oppenheimer screening. So we're going to see that one first. And it is what it is. You, you give some, you take some. And I think there still is that level, just like working the other way, you know, like Mission Impossible is going to be a good time for both of us, where I'm also excited for Barbie. You know, there is, there's a younger male demographic that thinks it looks funny at the end of the day. It, it look at the bottom line is it looks funny. And I'm curious what the plot of the movie actually is, because that as well as Oppenheimer is a bit of a mystery. I mean, it's kind of this fish out of water tale, but what's really going on? I, I can't wait to see. Oh man, I, here's the thing: I haven't figured out what to see. What to see first? But at the moment, I might. I already asked a friend of mine that I asked weeks ago, and I might see Oppenheimer first. I don't know, but again, I'm still figuring out the process. It's so early to tell what movie I will see first. But just encourage this, everybody: don't do a double feature because Oppenheimer is like three damn hours long, and Barbie's like two under two hours. Pe- so people will, I think, for the fun of it. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I would. I just to would, say you did. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that you you don't have to, but like if you're gonna if you don't mind seeing for like the movie theaters for the whole day, and Oppenheimer is like three hours long. I mean, hey, you probably want to go in early in the morning and just catch it, and then it'll be Barbie. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those things in social media where it'll be cool to say you did it. You know, cool to show it off and on Twitter, on TikTok, Instagram. Like, hey, you know, stepping into this noon showing of Barbie. All right, up next, hopping into this 4.30 showing of Oppenheimer and kind of being able to say you did the Barmanheimer experience in one day. Um, and that's great for both films. I think the fake marketing, the the Photoshop of it all is awesome for both oh, these movies dude. and the box Yeah, office. yeah. You know, and the fact will, that there's all these will. fake posters and Barbenheimer this and Barbenheimer that, that is perfect for not only the box office, but both movies individually because it makes you want to see both of them not just one yeah i was gonna say the barbenheimer campaign is on fire and even they have these t-shirts too i mean i'm thinking about getting one just wearing them to these movies you know it'd be so (laughs) awesome which i'm obviously might i might consider that because why not it's like a cool thing to do and i think it'd be awesome just have to like see what i can invest to but it is crazy yeah barbie is through the roof which we've been predicted for a while and it has it's crazy so, yeah, I, I, I do never mention on that movie. Go ahead. I do want to mention on Barbie. Um, wow, has this thing just been ramping up and up and up in terms of anticipation, expectations now from the studio? Holy shit. Now, I think a lot of it has to do with Margot Robbie as Barbie, which is like just inspired casting. Makes perfect, perfect sense. casting. I think Ryan Gosling as Ken looks great. And also a cast of characters, Simu Liu, uh, Michael Sarah is in this movie. Uh, Emma Mackey, um, who kind of looks like Margot Robbie, which is really funny. And the premise looks fun. There's something interesting about it. There's something unique and different. It's a Barbie movie, but it's not Toy Story. And it's not one of these other kind of um, live action interpretations of something that's famous, like a toy or a comic book or an animated show now becoming a movie. It's a fun twist on it, right? They're embracing how they are dolls that they are pristine, that their their heels stay off the ground, stuff like that. It just, it looks intriguing. And I think the marketing for the movie has been phenomenal. I think it's the best marketing we've seen so far this year, better than Super Mario Brothers, better than Guardians of the Galaxy, just solely based on how much higher the expectations for this movie now are. And mine are very high. I think a lot of people are going to see the movie in a couple of weeks. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, now, just a question. Uh, Barbie's Barbie is in Dolby, I think, but I don't think it's PLF worthy because I I think it's just a fan- comedy like that. I don't think it's just worth watching the PLF. Yeah, might as well let Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer battle these PLFs all they want. I mean, Barbie is just not that type of movie to see on the big on the PLF. I just think it's just worth to see them on like just regular screens, you know. Well, so and I think well. that's good. Um, I think that'll get more. It, it there's a double edged sword here where. 
earlier I mentioning that movie theaters should become more premium. But then at the same time, with a movie like Barbie, you don't really need, like you said, you don't really need to go see it in IMAX or Dolby or 3D. Unnecessary yeah, for that. Get me in a theater, you know? And and I think there is a, a community, uh, you know, having a good time in a theater with a bunch of strangers. That That is a fun experience, especially for a movie like this. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be really fun. People love the stars on the screen. People love Margot Robbie. People love Ryan Gosling. Will Ferrell's in it, you know? Dua Lipa's in this as well. And she even promotes the soundtrack of the movie. It's very yeah. awesome. And, and Greta Gerwig is a phenomenal director who's done some great pictures in the past. And I think there's going to be a huge market for this. And the premium screens, based on my prediction I'm going to give, the, the premium screens, it don't matter. It's not going to matter. And I think Barbie's going to do very well weekend two and weekend three. I think there's going to be a ton of positive word of mouth in this. And it's an easy watch. Compared to Oppenheimer, it's the exact opposite. That's why, you know, part of me wanted to see Oppenheimer first, then get cleansed with Barbie afterwards. <laughs> um, at least, at least I'm not doing it a day. I'm taking like days in between seeing Barbie first. But because Oppenheimer is going to be long, it's going to be probably somewhat sad. You know, the story in a way it's kind of twisted, obviously. Yeah. And then Barbie is going to be this fun, fresh, hopefully thought provoking film. So you're saying I, I should I'll... probably see Oppenheimer first and then see Barbie the next day because I think I could do that for sure. Yeah. I'm on the boat for Barbie for sure. That's gonna win this weekend. Just to say this to everybody, I totally think Barbie is gonna win this weekend. But I, you, I'm the way you're saying. I think I should see Oppenheimer first and then see Barbie the following day. Uh, I think, I think I'll do that. So why not? Yeah, I'll jump to my prediction. I think Barbie is going to win this weekend significantly. For um, sure. I have it projected. My my current okay, prediction so for it's Barbie, project, it's projecting yeah, yeah. eighty five to one hundred and fifteen on Box Office Pro. It's fucking high. I'll go first, that just is, real quick. And that is um, very wide, by the way. I want to mention how wide, range wide that is. It will it's shrink saying, as it gets closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna think it makes eighty eight. I think no, screw it. Sorry, ninety four, ninety four million. Okay. And then Bob and I was gonna make what to me sixty three. Yeah, and that's what I'm gonna go for. So I have it at 60 for Oppenheimer, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And I have Barbie at 105 million opening weekend. I think he's going to make a hundred million dollars opening weekend currently. Now that could change. I could maybe change my mind, right? We're still a few weeks out, but sitting here today, I believe it's gonna be a hundred million dollar opening weekend. I think the buzz for this movie is only getting higher. And by the way, I mentioned earlier the Barbenheimer of it all, the the fake. Photoshop marketing, the fan, the internet. I do believe that's going to get a lot of people to go out to see both movies. But if a casual person on Twitter just wanted to go see one of those two, it's going to be Barbie. It's not going to be Oppenheimer. Um, <laughs> I think the demographic is going to be a lot different for the films, which is so fast. This weekend is beyond fascinating because beyond. of the, the totally radically different movies that are opening. Um, people, it reminds a lot of people of the 2008 July opening of oh, yeah. Dark Knight Mamma Mia and, and Dark Mamma Knight. Mia. Yes. That was really, a different campaign, which is really cool. You know, I love that. And uh, this time it will not be the Christopher Nolan movie on top. It will be the Greta Gerwig movie on top. And I think Barbie will make $105 million opening weekend. I want to make this prediction real quick. So the following weekend when Haunted Mansion comes out, you want to know what movie is going to win this weekend for sure? Oppenheimer. I think it would. If it has the great legs and steady holding and PLFs, I think it's going to win the sec- the, uh, the, w- the next weekend. I have a feeling something's going to happen, I'm sure. Look, Christopher Nolan, I'm th- he's going to get it all that, and I'm sure he might remain the superior the next following week, I predict. If not, I won't. I mean, just to put this out, I've been thinking about this. It could happen, I feel like. If it yeah. holds steady very well and Barbie drops a little big, then Oppenheimer, in terms of PLFs, I guess. Or, you know, I don't know, but I feel like Oppenheimer could make its way to number one the following week when Haunted Mansion comes out. That's for Mm. sure. And I'm thinking that could happen at this point. Yeah, I would probably lean the other way. I could see where I don't think Barbie's going to have that big of a drop. It might. um, But I I just think it's going to be a really good movie. And a lot of people are going to be saying, hey, it's not just a movie about dolls. There's something more there. And it might get a lot of people out to the theater. We'll see. Um, I, I, maybe it'll not be a big audience success, and it'll be mixed feelings. And we might see two big drops weekend too. 
there's a lot of variability. Look, we haven't seen too many movies these days hold very well. Um, and I only think one of the two will have a good hold in between Oppenheimer and Barbie. That that following weekend, when it's weekend number three for Mission Impossible and weekend number two for Barbie and Oppenheimer, will be very interesting to see the data, right? What's holding, oh, yeah. what has legs, who's going back for multiple screenings. It'll be interesting. It's going to be so interesting. Like those, those three movies are the big things on my top of my list. And the whole month of July, people are going to invest to see. Other than that, Insidious is a great counter for horrors. Haunted Mansion is the right reason. Competition is too much. So, yeah, it's just going to be a stack month for sure. And it might have a great way to pull, fire all cylinders to make it a comeback for a summer this year than last month. Yeah. So it's a lot to invest. All right, so you're going 105. I'm going 88. No, 94. Yeah. Sorry, 94. Um, yeah, perfect, perfect. I'm high on it, man. I'm high oh, on the man. Barbie train. I think I'm going to do too. it. Me too. I think it's going to do it too. Even if I have to see Oppenheimer first, heck, I'm still on the right. <laughs> the Barbie's going to win. Just yeah, take again, take that Barbie shower. Get cleansed. With I'm going to try. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to for sure. I'm going to decide either way, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, before we uh end this things off. I did this whole top five winners and losers, but instead of that, we're going to just say which one will have the highest domestic top five or something. So instead of like winners and losers, we're going to just do like which movies will be top five domestically, number one to five or something, you know? It's like, okay. Oh, for the see. month? Yeah, for the month. Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, Barbie, Insidious, Joyride, and Haunted Mansion. I think those are top six. So for like, so, so you're basically not in the month of July, but once their entire, um, once their entire run at the box office is over, essentially like wh which movie, you mean July, over? July, sorry. Okay. So only in July. Cause that would only give advantage. In July. Yeah. Only in July, like top five, top six, the highest domestic. Okay. Of, like, winners and losers, not the whole year. Cause I did that loser whole winners and losers last month with Jeff Bach. Okay. So, I'm going to go – actually, you can go first. You're the guest of my show. So what's <laughs> going to be the top five and top six highest domestic openers? I would say um, for July, d just for the opening weekends? Uh, no. Oh, no, oh. just like uh, at the end of the run, let's say, for the July. Okay. So, so let me just get one thing clear. So are you saying that the money that these July openings make within the month of July or they open in July and you are, I'm taking into account their entire domestic run, their entire domestic run. For sure. Okay. Um, shoot, man. What's going to make more Barbie or mission impossible. I can, uh, I can go first if you want, but if you still want to go first, you can. I'll go first. Um, I can come up with it. I would say, I think Mission Impossible might make more than Barbie still. So I'll go Mission Impossible. I'll go Barbie number two, Oppenheimer, Haunted Mansion, and then Insidious, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um, I think that that top five works for me. I, I think that'll probably be how it works out. I'm not sure how Mission Impossible and Barbie will shake out. It depends on which one kind of catches fire. I think Barbie might be that sneaky one that just really catches fire. But hard to bet against Tom Cruise right now in 2023. Um so that yeah, I, I'm pretty confident of that top five. Yes, that's very those are great picks. Those are similar picks, but I'll just say them anyway. So number one for me, I'm going with the same route. Mission Impossible is the highest domestic. Uh, Barbie, Oppenheimer. I'm gonna go sit on a route instead of Haunted Mansion. I'm gonna say Insidious. Okay. Just in case yeah. the legs of the competition, but horror is a great counterfeit. And number six is going to be Haunted Mansion and Seven Joyride. That's all yeah. I got, really. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's all I got. So, um, wow, that covers the whole month of July. I mean, it was quick as expected, but man, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, Mission Impossible is where I'm gonna be do watching starting next. I mean, my last movie I saw was Indiana Jones. Yeah. So, Mission Impossible same. is gonna be a great way to get things back on track and expect my review of Mission Impossible. Let everybody to be dropping later this weekend, possibly. Other than that, is there anything else we can discuss in the matter, David, before we get off there? No, I don't have much else. Uh, but hey, you know, if you want to, uh, listeners out there, if you want to hear me again, um, I'm on the direct podcast. Uh, we post every Monday and Wednesday right now. Wednesdays, 
uh, are devoted right now to Secret Invasion, the new Marvel Disney Plus series. Um, we talk box office every once in a while. That's kind of my whole um, element on the show sometimes on our Monday shows. Uh, we'll be talking it a little bit this Monday, talking about Mission Impossible because it is coming out uh, this upcoming weekend. But yeah, go check it out. Check out the direct.com. I write a lot over there, do a lot of editing. All that good stuff. We cover a lot of this content, especially these big budget franchises and movies that everyone seems to love. So, Danny, thank you so much for having me on this show. It's been thank an you absolute so much. pleasure. Yeah, so awesome. Of course, to have this you. has been a great so time. We got to see um, Yeah, we'll have to do one of these box office previews again. It's been a lot of fun. I like. Oh, looking it's at very it. fun. I like looking at it holistically. It's a good time. Oh, for sure. If anything, I'll let you know. Otherwise, everybody to the new listeners, David's listeners and new listeners, follow actually new listeners, follow David, Pod, David Thompson at the direct podcast. Check out his website. Everything is going to be in the show notes of the episode. You guys Thank can you. check them out. And as for me, the new listeners and David's listeners, as I track the buzz, if you're listening to this episode, thank, if you made through this episode and invested to listen to my show, follow and subscribe to whatever you're listening on. I'm on YouTube as well. So comment, like, subscribe, smash that like button. I'm pointing it down. Hit the bell for when my episodes drop to give you guys the update. If you guys would prefer seeing my face, David's face, and you know, other guests included. And follow me on Twitter at ISUS4MPod, TikTok on iScreen, screen for movies. I post audiograms, et cetera, et cetera. It'll be in the show notes. My email's open at dsfmalagio.com. Share me your predictions. And share me your thoughts on which movie you'll go see first. Barbie, Oppenheimer, your top five highest domestic openers. I mean, highest domestic overalls. You know, anything. But the Oppenheimer is going to be the one. The Barbie, no, the Barbenheimer is going to be the one that you probably guys want to email me about. But either way, you can reach me on these questions and all that and predictions at dscomline.gmail.com. Also, leave me a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. But Apple... Podcast is the one that truly matters. It will gain new listeners to find my show, make things interesting and all of that. But leave me a five-star review if you're enjoying this episode. And yeah, David, I think that covers it. I think we've done it. And I don't think there isn't left to say, except for until next time. I'll be screaming you all at I screen, you scream for movies. Nailed it.